Blog Talk Radio. Source for college football in the state of Florida. I'm your host, Sammy G, and alongside me, as always, is the Doc. Doc, how you doing tonight? Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year, my man. Happy New Year. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing good, buddy. Doing great. We had a long weekend of football. Uh, we got a long show tonight. Uh, we got some great guests coming on. Uh, sponsors for the show. Uh, well, we don't have any sponsors, so the hell with it. We're going to win it tonight. <laughs> uh, special guest oh. tonight, though, Donald Payne Jr. from the... Yeah. To you by... There it is. That's the one. The hell with it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, special guest tonight, though, Doc. We're excited to have Donald Payne Jr., uh, former Stetson Hatter, uh, Mr. Everything at Stetson, uh, three-time All-American, three-time player of the year, uh, conference player of the year. Uh, also rookie of the year in the conference as well, the Pioneer League. Um, he'll be on the show from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And also Orson Charles from the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, former UGA, uh, University of Georgia Bulldog. Uh, he'll be on, he'll be joining us tonight a little bit. There it is. Orson Charles is a song there. Uh, he'll be joining us tonight as well to talk about uh, the game last night um, between uh, Georgia and uh, the other team, Oklahoma, uh, and we can talk about that as well a little bit later. Um, but we're going to get started here. Obviously, uh, we're a Florida show, so we're going to jump right into the UCF game, Doc. Uh, first of all, Doc, give the give the number out for our call and for our listeners. Yeah, give us a call, 657-383-1684. That's 657-383-1684. Great. Doc, let's start off right now with UCF. Uh, obviously, we have been, or uh, we have been, I'll, I'll say we, we have been on the bandwagon for the UCF Knights this year. Um, what an improbable season they've had uh, with head coach Scott Frost. They Two years ago, an 0-12 team uh, to this year, now a 13-0 team, the only undefeated team in the nation. Um, last night they were given an opportunity to, uh, excuse me, yesterday afternoon, they were given an opportunity to uh, to kind of show what they were made of playing an SEC powerhouse, number seven ranked Auburn Tigers, uh, who coincidentally are the only team that beat both teams that are playing for the national title. So they played each other yesterday uh, in Georgia at the Mercedes-Benz Dome, which is a phenomenal, I got to tell you, Doc, phenomenal. Have you been there yet, Doc, Mercedes-Benz? I have not. I would like to. I know you've been there a couple times this year, but uh, it looks like a great stadium. It's unbelievable, buddy. I, I, I highly recommend you, you get a chance to go, you go. Uh, but listen, the, the stadium was rocking. UCF traveled as well as they possibly could. They might have had the entire student body in, in Atlanta last night, or in yesterday afternoon, excuse me. Um, what a great atmosphere for a game. The highest rated game, I believe they said, on television for the uh, for the uh, FBS um, bowl games that wasn't a college football playoff game. Uh, probably the most underrated game of the entire bowl season as well. Uh, but UCF went in and, as predicted by us, went in and stomped 
of the Auburn Tigers last night, 34-27. to 27. Doc, you saw the game. A lot of things were happening. I know you're excited about the atmosphere. Tell me about what you thought and, and where, we, where, where can UCF go from here? Yeah, you got to respect the, uh, the 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 night night nation showing up there in Atlanta, really packing um, packing the Mercedes Benz Stadium. They were loud. Um, it looked like it was a great atmosphere. Um, you know, as we've said on this this show many times before, UCF is I believe the number one student body population in the country. So there are a lot of alumni out there, and they really showed up. And and you know. I think it's a fair argument that emotionally this game meant a lot more to the UCF players than it did to the Auburn players. But, you know, overlooking that fact, uh, those guys came out, they came charged. McKenzie Milton, who was our, obviously, uh, all-Florida quarterback, uh, had a great game. And uh, you can't say enough about Shaquem Griffin, um, a guy that you picked out early in the season in our senior spotlight. And and, and it just goes to show you that you are obviously a very good uh, judge of talent because he's turned into an absolute stud and somebody who has overcome adversity and and really is just a uh, uh, a great role model for for all kids out there. Shaquem Griffin, obviously, uh, uh, we talked about him earlier, has band syndrome, correct? Band, not hand, correct? Band syndrome. Amniotic band syndrome. Uh, Amniotic band syndrome. And uh, Shaquem Griffin led the way yesterday with 12 tackles, one and a half sacks, and three and a half tackles for loss. It seemed like every time that UCF needed to play on defense, Shaquem Griffin was the gentleman who caused all the problems for them, Uh, whether it was pressuring the quarterback, tackling for loss, uh, just making great plays whenever he could. I mean, Shaquem Griffin was all over the the field. Um, Their defense, and I've said it before, Doc, and I'm sure you can remember, I've said that UCF's defense isn't great, but they score enough to win games. They, they don't have to have a phenomenal defense because they score so many points. They gave up 27 to Auburn. But I got to tell you, I, I felt like those 27 points were just kind of blown out of proportion. I, I felt like their defense dominated the Auburn offense for the most part. Uh, and, and, you know, between Shaquem Griffin and, and Shaquan Burkett, who is going to be a phenomenal player, he had that pick six towards the end of the game there, uh, number two, the, middle, the linebacker that they have there. Uh, Shaquan Marquette, I feel, is probably the best player on that defense. I know Shaquem Griffin does a lot, but Shaquan Griffin, it, it, he's so underrated on that defense. He's going to be playing on Sundays. Uh, and I like that kid. I like his story. I don't know if you heard the story on him. He actually came back, uh, had a fifth year, and he came back to play uh, because he felt like he, he just had a baby, just got married, and he felt like he needed one more year to, to achieve his dream of taking care of his family in the NFL. So he returned for his senior year. Uh, and and to play, you know, just just a great story. I mean that that whole that whole team. Scott Frost did a phenomenal job, and I got to tell you, Doc, I, I I have the utmost respect for Scott Frost and what he did in bringing his coaching staff back to coach them. Uh, you could you could tell not only to the players but that coaching staff they wanted it they wanted it just as badly as the players, uh, and, and it was great that they were able to uh, to go out with a win. Yeah, yeah, no question. I, I think both both universities handled that transition as about as well as you could. I mean, I think the players respected the fact that Scott Frost was going back to his alma mater, back to his home. You can't fault the guy for doing that. Obviously got a significant pay raise. Can't fault him there either. Um, But they accepted that. They understood. uh, And then he understood what this game meant to them and to this university. And, and, And the University of Nebraska understood 
um, you know, him going out there and, and performing in this environment and on national TV was good for them. So uh, hats off to both universities who handled this transition very well. Uh, and it was just a great, great scene for UCF. And, and you know, hats off to them. They, they've, they've been celebrating all day today. I believe they had a parade in downtown Orlando. and They have national championship trophies. You know, obviously they, they um, beat the team who beat – both teams are, that are playing for the national championship. So one of these uh, transitive properties, you could make the argument that they should be the national champions. But, you know, I, I think it, it's just uh, it's just a great thing for, for Orlando and for UCF. And moving forward, Doc, we talked about it too. You know, in order for UCF, and I, this was my argument all year, in order for UCF to, to be taken seriously going forward, they're going to have to get into another conference. Uh, what conference, we don't know, but they're going to have to move into another conference in order to be, in order to have that conversation, um, you know, about being a national contender at some point. Um, excuse me there. Uh, you know, let's, let's assume that UCF gets an invite to a conference. Do we think it can be in the SEC? Can it be in the ACC? Or do you see that moving out somewhere else? You know, it's a good question, and I think a lot of conferences are going to look at Orlando as a market that they want to be in. When you look at conference and conference realignment, the thing that it boils down to in this day and age is, is the television market. That's where all the money is. That's the whole reason that the SEC added Missouri to the conference is to capture the St. Louis market. That's the reason they added Texas A&M capture the Texas, some of that Texas market. So when it really boils down to conferences expanding, it really boils down to uh, the TV markets. And Orlando is, is a very big market. You know, they get a lot of stuff going on there. Um, they, they've got, uh, you know, obviously a lot of tourists coming in town and there'll be a lot of places, or a lot of conferences that, that want to, uh, to, to, to grab UCF. What, uh, what I, what I don't think you're going to see though, is, is I, I don't suspect you'll see the SEC or the ACC jumping on them simply because my understanding, and I could be wrong, is that the, uh, the, the the primary teams in these conferences have veto power, and, and, and the, I, I don't suspect you'd want to see a, a Florida State or a Florida wanting to bring in another school into their conference that is very close to their own school. So if I had to look into the future, and, and I would say if UCF can sustain the success, um, then they would likely maybe get an offer from the Big 12 or, or even the Big 10, um, you know, just trying to expand and, and reach into that Florida market uh, at some point in the future. Is it too soon, though, for them to even think about that? I mean, we just saw what happened to Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers just went into the Big 12, or excuse me, Big 10, and they just they were annihilated this year. They chased that money, and, you know, you've, you've said it this year a couple of times. They chased the deal. They chased the money, and they, they didn't even stand a chance in their conference this year. With the coaching changes that have gone on at UCF, Doc, do you think it's too soon, or do you think they're ready to go right now? Yeah, no, I, I think they need another year or two of, of sustained success. I mean, they need another year of big crowds. You know, it wasn't until the, the, the latter half of the season that they actually started to fill their own stadium. So another another year or two of big crowds and sustained success. And, and maybe if they eventually go to an eight-team playoff, which we'll obviously discuss here in the near future, uh, uh, today's show probably, uh, and they find a way to slip in there, then, then I think uh, you'll see at that point one of these uh, conferences make a move. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, where, you know, like you said, I just think, like, at this point, 
you know, I, I think they've done enough this year. Uh, but, you know, we've seen one-hit wonders come in, uh, losing your staff, bringing a new staff in. But I will tell you, though, Josh Heupel, what he did at Missouri for the last six weeks of their season, uh, he just went on a tear scoring-wise. Uh, you know, and he, he didn't – He didn't. I don't think he had nearly the amount of athletes that UCF had. Um, but, you know, one thing you did mention earlier, Doc, and I wanted to touch on too was you touched on Nebraska being classy and, and, and having a lot of respect for what they did as far as uh, the transition through this bowl. Um, one thing I, I said yesterday, it was one of the bigger, the happier people in this whole thing has got to be Nebraska. Seeing what, they, what they're going to have now in their coaching staff who just – just kind of went over to UCF and just, I mean, they just dominated people. They bring their entire staff over who's just recruited Florida for the last, let's say three years now, but they brought over also uh, Sean Becton, who'd been with the staff for 25 years. He had been running the recruiting in Florida for 25 years, now goes to Nebraska with Scott Frost. Obviously there had to have been some compensation that, that brought him and got him out of that, uh, out of the university. So I believe he played at the university of central Florida as well. Uh, but now they see what Scott Frost and his staff can do. Now they can go back to Nebraska, go back to Lincoln, and they're going to have a field day recruiting in the state of Florida because the kids now see that Nebraska is not going to be your Nebraska of old. They're not going to be that Lawrence Phillips and Tommy Frazier just, you know, read option and, you know, that power eye, that, that's not what they do. They're going to spread the ball around. They're going to throw it around. And we've said it on multiple times. You can't do that unless you come down to Florida and get some kids. Yeah, you know, I, we, we've had this discussion before about Nebraska. Nebraska is only going to be successful is once they start recruiting on a national level. And, and certainly when you look at the NFL, and, and I think I, I sent this to you a few weeks ago, the, the amount of players in the NFL per capita – um, number one, uh, number two are, are Georgia and Florida. And so you have to recruit in those areas to have success. So I think Scott Frost has that ability. Um, do I do I think he's going to get the same level of player into Lincoln as, as they're getting into Tuscaloosa or Athens? Uh, that, that's, that's yet to be determined. But I think Scott Frost gives him the ability to bring in these players because the only way Nebraska is going to be successful is if they recruit on a national level, and Scott Frost gives them the best chance of doing that. Well, listen, we can't be more proud and happier for the University of Central Florida. We, Like I said, we jumped on their bandwagon this year, uh, just like we did with the West Florida Argos, another great team, another great story in college football. Uh, but UCF, congratulations to them. I mean, they did a phenomenal job, Doc, and – you know, I, I honestly, I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Coach Heupel next year uh, and that staff. And, and you know, they get their, their whole team, for the most part, is coming back. I mean, they lose some key guys. Shaquem Griffin's going to be one. Uh, Tony Garrard, who we put on the all-Florida defensive line, uh, he's going to be another one that's going to be leaving. Shaquan Burkett also going to be leaving. Uh, but for the most part, their offense is going to be back intact. Uh, you know, the only one they're going to lose there is Jordan Aikens, the tight end. They get uh, Adrian Killens and Otis Anderson Jr. back. Obviously, Mackenzie Milton, who I think should be the front runner for the Heisman Trophy next year. Uh, I, to me, he's the best player in college football. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. He didn't have a great game uh, against Auburn, but he didn't lose the game, which is even better. Uh, so I, I think he's going to have an opportunity to, to be in the Heisman talk next year. Uh, and their secondary comes back. The entire secondary, Mike Hughes, another guy who was on our All-Florida uh, our three and out all Florida team uh, on defense. Uh, this kid is so fast. And I, I, I kept telling people if he can get the ball in his hands, there's a chance he's going to return it every single time. He's the mo- probably one of the most dangerous return men 
in all of college football. So they got a great chance next year. Hopefully the offense can keep it going, or excuse me, the coaching staff can keep it going. Uh, and I look forward to them. I'm sure you do as well, Doc. Yeah, I think they're in good hands with Josh Heupel, who, who's basically um, Scott Frost 2.0, you know, a, a former uh, stud quarterback himself. Uh, I believe won the Heisman Trophy. Is, is that correct? Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was definitely in the in the mix uh, for the Heisman. Um, and then you got Brandy Shannon on defense, who, who who's you know one of the, the the godfathers of recruiting in the state of Florida. And so I think they're in good hands. And and you know again. It, Having UCF as a successful team is great for, for all high school players coming out of the state of Florida because it just gives them one more avenue where they don't need to leave our great state and, and, and go somewhere and have some success. So it's definitely good good for everybody. And, Sammy, I think we got a uh, – you're still on mute probably. But I think we got a caller here. Uh, we got Steve who wants to discuss some NFL playoffs. Steve, are you there? Yes, sir. Doctor and uh, Sammy, just uh, one of your thoughts on uh, all the great games this weekend. We got uh, some Florida teams. We have the Jaguars and Buffalo. What, what's your thought on that game? Because Buffalo was so excited after um, getting into the playoffs that that, that they're going to be inspired. What, what's your thought on the Jacksonville uh, Buffalo Bills game? That's a great question. Uh, you know, Buffalo kind of slid in here at the end. They didn't have a great season going in, uh, but Jacksonville's defense has done wonders for them this year. Uh, you know, Jacksonville finished 10-6, and six, uh, third seed in the AFC, uh, facing a Buffalo team who's kind of been – they haven't been great, and they don't have a lot of superstars on the team. You know, they have LaShawn McCoy, uh, but as far as superstars go, I think it kind of ends there with uh, with McCoy. Uh, they don't have a phenomenal quarterback. They don't have a phenomenal receiving staff. Their defense is very good, uh, but I just think Jacksonville has too many athletes. I, I think their defense is just going to be a little too much for Buffalo. Um, Buffalo, the good news is they get to get out of the cold and come down to Florida, although it's a little chilly now. It's nothing like what's going on in Buffalo, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think Jacksonville is going to take that game, and they're probably going to advance. Uh, but Buffalo, you can never count them out because, you you know, they, you never know what kind of team you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get the good Buffalo Bills or the bad Buffalo Bills. Doc, what do you think? You know, I, I think the Jaguars defense has just been so good this year. Now, obviously, we got uh, Donald Payne coming on later today, and it'd be interesting to ask him his thoughts on the game plan, uh, playing Buffalo. Um, you know, Buffalo is very fortunate to be there. They they, they got a last-minute uh touchdown uh, by the Bengals to beat the Ravens and then basically snuck in the back door and you got to be happy for them and their fan bases. I don't know if you guys heard the story, but Buffalo Bills fans uh, were donating to Andy Dalton's uh, charity uh, starting yesterday. And they, I believe they were all giving $17 each because it's been 17 years since the Bills have made it into the playoffs. And as of about 8 a.m. this morning, when I heard the story, they had they had given fifty-seven thousand dollars to Andy Dalton's charity, so it's uh, you know it's a good That's thing. Awesome. Their fan their fan bases are fan bases excited, um, but but nonetheless, the Jaguars' defense I think has uh, been clicking in all cylinders, and um, I, I think they're going to stuff the Bills in this game. We appreciate your call, Steve. Uh, anytime you want to talk to us, give us a call back. Hopefully, we'll be able to answer your question there. Well, thank you guys so much, and the Jaguars and. I uh, can't wait to hear your special guests coming on because we love the Jags down here in Florida. 
Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. All righty. Uh, Steve from Florida, apparently a big time into the Jaguars, and the good news is he's going to have an opportunity to hear from Donald Payne, uh, who actually is the uh, special teams leader in tackles for the Jacksonville Jaguars and actually finished 11th in his rookie season in the NFL. Uh, that's going to be coming up. Former Stetson University standout. Uh, you know we're all about the Florida schools here on the three and out show. Uh, but before we get on, uh, Donald's going to be on here in about 10 minutes. We're going to wait to get him on here. Uh, real quick, though, Doc, let's talk about the Miami-Wisconsin uh, game. Uh, Wisconsin went down. I think Wisconsin might be one of the most underrated teams in the country. They're just kind of always around. And i got to tell you, Miami, they ran out of gas. God, I've never seen a team run out of gas as quickly as they did. <laughs> I mean, they just – What shit. the hell was that? <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a team run out of gas so quickly? <laughs> No, no, I, I haven't. I, th- I think they, they, they look like they got their turnover chain snatched right off their necks in the in the first quarter. They yeah. were just b- beside themselves. Yeah, if they don't get turnovers, it looks like these guys aren't going to win games for whatever reason. Uh, I just don't understand how you can be the most dominant team for for seemingly 10 weeks and just, just annihilate a team like Notre Dame and then come back and lose your next three games. And not only lose them, they okay they they lost to Pittsburgh barely, but they got annihilated in the a, in the ACC championship game against Clemson. Then they come to the Orange Bowl, which is in their backyard, unfortunately, and Wisconsin just decimates them. I mean, the, the, it was an only a ten point game, but God, it, it seemed like it was a forty point game the way they played. Yeah, it's crazy. Wisconsin kind of is this team that that really bucks the system. You know, the system kind of is in play now that if you're from the southeast or from Texas or from from the West Coast and to some extent maybe Ohio, you have the best players and the best chance of having a successful team. Some reason year in and year out, Wisconsin is the one lone team um, that just is has success and somehow recruits players and um, from their from their backyards and turns these guys into animals you know the the, the JJ Watts and, and all these guys that turn into absolute studs but um, you know they come into Miami and 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 absolutely just bully the hurricanes around and really kind of I, I think took the wind out of the uh, the no pun intended the wind out of the hurricane sail there um, and all this hype and hoopla that's happened over the last uh, eight months here. And what I think you're seeing and a lot of fan bases are seeing is this is just very prototypical Mark Rick. You have success, you get all this, this momentum, and then the wheels just come off the, uh, the express. Um, you know, you, you see that time and time again with, with Georgia uh, when he was the coach there, um, you know, uh, when, when he was fired, people were like, well, why, you know, why are you firing someone who, who's averaging nine or 10 wins a season? Well, look where Georgia is right now. You know, they just, just he's, whatever reason, has had a hard time just getting over that last hump. And, and the thing that really irked my chain is, you know, he, he comes across as this uh, uh, church-going kind of you know, Bible uh, Bible person, um, you know, but then, then when things go awry, he's grabbing referees by the throat and having to be held back and, you know, and all this stuff. So I think you really saw things kind of come unglued there. Yeah, I, he, he did not. Uh, mask his emotions very well on the sideline, and he—he, he, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, he should know that the cameras are always going to catch him. You know, it's just uh, of all people, he should know that every, every everything's going to be caught on film. 
Uh, he even pushed an assistant. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, somebody was trying to contain him, and he pushed his own assistant. Um, I mean, he just he just did not go well. And then he issued an apology via Twitter today, uh, which, you know, obviously I think was – I don't know if it was mandatory that he did that, but, uh, you know, he was on there – and he and he and he posted this tweet and let me see if I can I want to just make sure I get it correctly. Uh, but it says after seeing a TV copy of our game, I want to apologize for my language and putting of my hands on the official and my staff. I did not show the proper respect to the authorities of our game. I gotta tell you, Doc. And listen, I'm as competitive and you. I know you're as competitive as can be as well. But you know. I, how many times have we got to hear somebody apologize after the fact that they've done something? I mean, come on. Uh, we can't just allow people to say, I'm sorry all the time. I don't think where they can just do stuff and say, Oh, I apologize. I'll go on Twitter and I'll say, I'm sorry. Dude, you pushed an official. You pushed your, 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 your assistant coach. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, that's unbelievable. He, I don't care who you are. Yeah. There's no question. He should have been, been, but ejected. I mean, if you're, if you're going to inject, uh, Kentucky's running back Snell uh, for refusing uh, the, the, the getting picked up off the ground because you're you're a baller and you don't need somebody's help. Then then you gotta you gotta reject a coach who who absolutely loses her mind and puts her hand on an official. So that that was yeah. just poor form. And the Snell ejection was I I, I don't want to get us too off topic here, but the Snell ejection was complete horseshit. I, I mean I apologize for the language, but. I mean, the guy just said, no, I don't want your help, gets up, and the official, I guess, got offended by it and ejected the kid. I mean, come on, dude. The kid's playing in his final game of the year. You're going to eject him because he doesn't, he doesn't want to take your hand in, 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 uh, in helping him off the ground? I mean, that's ridiculous. And, and again, Andy's their best player, so not that that should matter, right. but, but that, that's their best player, and he just kicked him out yeah. of the game for no reason. For, and absolutely for no reason. And, you know, we always talk about the officials, you know, that I think they're saying is if you hear about the officials, it's never a good thing. And this happens to be now we're in, a, in an era where officials seem to be, especially with this targeting role. And, you know, there was a the UCF guy got, got ejected last night. And I, and I will, I, and, and he had two, he actually had two uh, uh, targeting penalties called on him. He finally ejected him in the second one, but I got to tell you, I didn't think either one of them were targeting. And I, let me tell you, when a guy's already leaping into his tackle, you cannot stop your body from going to where you're going. And he was already into the into the leap of his tackle. And when a guy catches the ball and cradles himself into the fetal position and, and lowers his body, where, where is he supposed to go? I mean, I really think they got to fine tool that fine tune that rule um, because it, they're, they're you know they're kicking out guys for no reason. I think some of these some of these calls are just. I, I agree with the with the defensive defenseless receiver role, but. You know, I, I, we just totally got off on a tangent here, but I, I just, I just went, I can't, I can't agree with a lot of the things that are happening with the officials. I don't know about you, Doc. Well, you know, I, I think it's a, it's an important tangent to talk about because it, that, that rule is an absolute mess right now. I, I, I um, as a physician, I, I understand the rationale for the rule. We, we need to decrease the amount of of head injuries. We need to decrease the amount of concussions. The long, the longevity of the game of football that you and I both love is 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 going to be directly tied to the safety of the game. I think over the next ten to fifteen years, but but this rule, I, I think, as you said, needs to be refined. What, what 
you know, there, there is no player out there who's going for a tackle who in the back of their mind says, let me pull up because I don't want to get ejected from the game. It's just not part of the thought process. You're going in, you make the play, and if a player drops down below where you thought they were going to be when you, when you make your initial move, you can't control that. So what I'd like to see is, is maybe get rid of the ejection part of it. You know, I, I think that that's kind of ridiculous. The guy goes for a tackle and he gets injected. You know, if, you, if you're going to call it a 15-yard penalty, fine, so be it. Uh, I think the, the rationale and the, and the reason behind the rule is valid. But what, what you have seen definitively, and this has been proven in scientific research, is that the, the amount of lower extremity injuries, which are the, actually going to be the things that are going to be career-threatening, you know, the head injuries, long-term, big problems. The head injuries, short-terms, short-term are really not the issue that, that is going to derail anybody's career. But you dislocate your knee like the, uh, the, the tight end from Chicago Bears did. Uh, Keller, I believe. I can't remember who it was. Zach, but, Zach, um, Zach Miller. Zach Miller. Zach, Zach Miller, you, you dislocate your knee, um, you know, and, and, and you're lucky to, to walk again. So, you know, now you've got players. We've shown scientifically that the amount of lower extremity injuries have increased. Uh, I, I don't know that we've actually affected the amount of concussions that we're seeing. And now you got players getting ejected for really no good reason. So while the, the spirit of the rule is, is, is a good one, um, they, they, they've got to find a way to, to – to change it and, and and again I would start by getting rid of the ejection and leaving it a 15 yard penalty. Uh, listen, you, I'm with you 100%, and I would love to hear from our callers and our listeners. Uh, if you got an opinion on this, please give us a call at 657-383-1684. Once again, you're listening to the Three and Out Show on Blog Talk Radio, your everything source for college football uh, in the state of Florida. And you know we're going we're actually getting ready to have Donald Payne on here shortly. Uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, who's a special teams phenom. And, you know, I'm guessing on special teams, Doc, he's running down the field with rec- reckless abandon. And I'm sure that, like you said, he's not he's not thinking to himself, oh, i got to pull up and make sure I don't get ejected from a game. He's going down there to make a tackle, uh, and that's probably the reason why, uh, you know, he, he's the, lead, the te- excuse me, team leader in special teams tackles and also finished, you know, in the top 11 in the actual NFL as a rookie this year. So we'll get a chance to speak with him about that. Uh, and get his take on it as well. But let me tell you, you know, as far as I'm concerned with this rule, and I think this rule has a lot of gray area in it, but let me tell you, when a guy, and I'll, and I'll argue this to the, probably to the day I die, there's no way that you can stop your body when you're in 100-mile-an-hour full motion going to make a tackle. And, you know, we saw it in, I, think, I believe it was the Bengals game, where a guy was caught the ball on the sideline, two defenders went to go tackle him, and they kind of pulled up, and the guy ran down the field and scored because they didn't want to, they didn't want to cause a penalty there. So I, I just think it's a it's a rule that needs to be changed. And I believe we have Donald Payne coming on now, and Donald Payne will be able to talk to us a little bit about it. And let's see if we can get him on real quick. And uh, Donald, are you with us? Yes, sir, I am. Donald Payne, welcome to the show. My Sammy G and the Doc here. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Thanks, brother. Listen, we're in a, we're in a heated discussion right now about about the targeting and the ejection of uh, penalties. And you know, I've mentioned that. You know, first of all, Donald Payne, uh, star special teams guru right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker, um, who is a Stetson Hatter alumnus. Uh, not only a Stetson Hatter an alumnus, basically wrote the book of of awards at Stetson. Uh, he's a three time mm-hmm. Defensive Player of the Year in the Pioneer League. 
He's played in 44 career games, totaling over 538 tackles. Uh, 344 of those were solos. Nine interceptions, 14 sacks, 65 and a half tackles for loss, 42 passes defended, seven forced fumbles, eight. Fumbles. This, I'm reading, basically reading a Hall of Fame uh, resume here, if you, in case you haven't heard of it. And uh, the 2013 uh, Pioneer Football League Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, Donald. We're, we're thanks for coming on the show. First and foremost, yeah, no we've been having a heat, we've been having a heated discussion about about this targeting and ejections, and I'm sure you see it all the time. And I don't know, Donald. First of all, were you ever? Did you ever have a targeting or ejection penalty on you while you were at Stetson? I did not. I did not. I did not uh, get a uh, get that gracious penalty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not something that you want to get labeled with, and especially a guy with over 500 tackles. I'm sure that at some point there might have been a close call, but. Uh, good to see you with over 500 tackles. You never had that opportunity. Uh, but, w- listen, for, l- let's just jump right in. Uh, Donald, first of all, we want to thank you for being here. Obviously, I've said it a, a million times. We couldn't be more excited to have you on the show. Uh, but going forward, we're, we're kind of right now, congratulations for you and the team. You're getting ready to get start your playoff run, and I, and I believe you guys are going to be playing the Buffalo Bills this week. Um, mm-hmm. I just saw on Twitter that uh, you were now – in the top 11 and special teams tackle in the, in the entire league. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was tied for, um, tied for, tied for 11 for, uh, for the regular season special teams tackles in the league. Yes, sir. So you kind of had an interesting, interesting go of it. You know, you came to a small school, uh, Stetson university who had no, it's a non-scholarship school in the pioneer league. Uh, you come down here. It's a very, it's a brand new program. Uh, you were part of the first uh, first ever class to come through there in the football program. Uh, you, you have a phenomenal college career. You know, playing in a small school. Obviously, I know what that's like. I've been a part of small school uh, life and and football. You get picked up as a free agent uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. You go through training camp. You get released. My 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 thought process there was, and I would probably think that they were going to try to try to stash you on their practice roster uh, if they could. Uh, and then you get picked up by the Jacksonville Jaguars, and all of a sudden you go from being a, a Stetson Hatter with probably maybe close to 2,000 people in attendance at a game, uh, and now you're playing in front of 70,000 people uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars as a day one starter on special teams. Can you kind of walk us through and let us know how that was and, and, and how that transition was for you? I mean, it definitely was a roller coaster for me. You know, I always talk to people about, you know, coming from a small school like Stetson, and then and then all of a sudden be thrown into, you know, the big NFL life. You know, the speed of the game was a lot faster, you know, in the Pioneer Football League. You know, going from Pioneer to the NFL, you know, the speed of the game was faster. Had a whole – learned a whole new playbook. A lot of people don't even know that I played safety in college, and I had to transition from safety to linebacker in the NFL. So not only did I have to transition, you know, the speed of the game, I had to transition from positions as well. Uh, but the one thing I, I knew I could do was uh, was play special teams. That's something, you know, I feel like I have a body type for. And uh, the only thing about that, I didn't play any special teams throughout college. You know, I was straight defense. You know, that's where I put all my effort into. But I knew coming into the league that if I wanted to play in this league for a long time, especially in the beginning, I would have to, you know, my way through special teams. And, you know, this whole entire year I've been working my butt off, you know, trying to uh, just, you know, find little things, you know, I can improve on every week and uh, go out there and just try to make a difference and try to make a play, you know. Being an undrafted free agent, we only have one undrafted free agent rookie on our teams uh, as of right now. His name is Keelan Cole, wide receiver, is doing a great job. And uh, so, you know, 
it was, it was definitely was an upfield battle. Uh, I, like you said before, I was going to be placed on uh, the Ravens practice squad. I talked to Coach Harbaugh right before, uh, right before they were cutting players. He said, "Hey, we want to have you, but we just don't have enough room in the roster for you." And he said, "You know, we want to put you on our practice squad." Uh, came in that next day to sign my practice squad uh, contract, and they say we have good news and bad news. I'm like, uh oh. So they say, hey, the good, the bad news is you won't be a Baltimore Raven. I'm like, oh, man, they don't even want me for practice squad anymore. They said, the good news is you just got picked up off waivers for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you'll be on the 53-man roster. So, you know, that was truly a blessing. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a long season, you know, and I'm just ready to keep it going, going to these playoffs. Hey Donald, this is the uh, this is the doc. I, I gotta say, from somebody who grew up in uh, Daytona, I used to go to, to Pete Dunn's baseball camp in Stetson, and it's been really a pleasure to see you uh, come through there and, and be successful. You know, Sammy G uh, was telling me about you. Uh, I think your freshman season. He said you got to watch out for this guy, uh, Donald Payne at uh, at Stetson. He is going to be a stud, and, and really, it's really come to fruition. And I got to tell you that our Twitter has been blowing up today from all the Stetson Hatter fans who are excited <laughs> to, to, to hear from you and, and, to, and to, to see your success. So we had a caller calling a little bit ago asking about kind of the game plan uh, with the Bills and, 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 you know, what do you see moving forward with this weekend? What, you know, are there things that you guys are, are as a team really focusing on or, you know, obviously you can't get too much into the game plan, but what are your mm-hmm. thoughts going into this weekend? I mean, uh, of course, the game is a you know a whole uh, a whole different type of level. You know, the Jaguars haven't been into the playoffs. You know, in, since 2007, our coach our coach reminded us that you know for a long time we're division champs this year, and so uh, we just have one of the I think we have the best defense in the league. Uh, uh, I think overall, you know, from the front end to the back end, and uh, going to this game, we know we know Tyrod Taylor. He's a uh, you know he's a scrambler. You know, he can he can move and he can run. Uh, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. A lot of people uh, may not know that about him. Uh, looks like LaShawn McCoy will be down this week, and so, you know, that's one less uh, threat to have because he is a great back. And uh, so going to this game, you know, it's really not really about them. It's really about us. I mean, I feel like, you know, on on paper it might say different things, but I feel like as a team, you know, we're better. But, you know, in the NFL you have to go out and prove that week in and week out, you know, in any given Sunday you know, a team a team come in and beat you. So one thing we did, we all want to work on is our composure. Of, um, I think other uh, analysts around the league have been labeling us as, you know, thugs or, you know, we can't keep our composure because we've gotten in quite a few scuffles this year, uh, <laughs> uh, me including, including myself, you know, last game, you know. So, um, so I think that's one thing going in, you know, keeping our composure. You know, we play with so much passion, I, I, the people on our team. We have a lot of young players and a lot of – Young good players, and we play with so much passion, you know, just to keep that, uh, keep that within, you know, and just go out and just, you know, perform well, you know. Donald, considering where you're at right now, obviously, uh, you're living out a dream, playing in the NFL. And by the way, I want to, I want to go back about a few, a few uh, comments ago. Uh, you said you had to learn a new position. I don't know if you remember on your pro day what, what I told you you're going to be playing in the NFL. Do you remember that? Who said I'd be playing linebacker? Yeah, okay. Just want to make sure. <laughs> Just want to make sure that everybody knows what's going on around here. Uh, but listen, considering where you're at and what you've gone through, um, you know, the process obviously is so much different for a guy that went to Stetson and a guy that goes to Oklahoma, let's say. Would you change anything that that you did up until now? Oh, I, I definitely wouldn't. You know, it was, it was all in God's plan, you know. Um 
people ask me, you know, every single day, you know, people on other teams I'm playing in the league, you know, the coaches at Jacksonville, uh, the coaches at the Ravens, you know, they see all my stats, they see all my awards, and it was like, man, did you get recruited by anybody else coming out of coming out of high school? I mean, I got recruited by a few other teams. Hey, did you have a chance to leave? You know, I had a couple of chances to leave, but, you know, I decided to stick it out, you know, because uh, Stetson was so good to me, and, you know, they really helped me put my name on the map. They really, they really helped me, and they uh, – they really let me flourish, you know, as a as a player, as in uh, just going out there. And my thing is, you know, not I, I do love the X and O's, but X and O's. But at the same time, you know, I'm a I'm a baller, and I just go out there. And, you know, I love to love to be around the ball. You know, if I see somebody with the ball, I'm going to try to tackle them. I'm going to try to get to them. You know, get the ball off of them. And uh, so I mean, that was definitely a a, a different type of transition. But you know, I'm enjoying it. So Donald, for for our, all of our younger listeners out there, do you have any any uh, recommendations or or thoughts on those who are who are maybe in high school going through the recruiting process, you know, m- maybe going through smaller schools and, and obviously with a dream to play in the next level? Any any, any recommendations or or, or uh, um, you know thoughts for them uh, moving forward? Oh yeah, definitely. Like uh, I posted something on uh, Twitter the other day. Uh, um, don't think that going to a small college or a small school will stop you from living out your dream. You know, I know everybody loves, you know, you know, of course me coming out, I wanted to go to LSU. You know, I love LSU. You know, my family's from Louisiana. Uh, you know, I wanted to go to a big school in Louisville, you know, even uh, like uh, Georgia or anything like that. But, you know, it just didn't pan out that way. But, you know, that doesn't stop you from, uh, you know, working your butt off and getting to that next level. There's a lot of guys in the league that came from FCS schools. You know, it's not that many of us, but there are some, and, you know, I think each and every year it's going to go up because you know talent is everywhere. You know, and NFL scouts uh, will find you if there's will find you if there's talent. Uh, the the uh, scary thing about it is uh, all those stats I had, all those uh, all those awards I had, I still had to fight. I still had to fight to just get to just get signed as an undrafted free agent. You know, coming out. Uh, with a very, very, very small signing bonus. So, you know, it was still a lot of things I had to do. I, I think I performed pretty well in my pro day, you know. Uh, so it's a lot of things I had to go through, you know, and people that big schools schools didn't have to. But at the end of the day, I went to a school. I was able to start all four years. Uh, I was able to be successful there. I was able to get my degree in what I wanted it to be. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's what it's all about. And so it's all those guys out there, all those younger listeners out there, um, Knowing that you can go to a small school and still succeed, you know, don't uh, don't don't give all the big schools. You know, they're great, they're dandy. You know, they're playing for the you know the college football championship next Monday and everything like that. At the same time, you know, don't count out these smaller schools because at the same time, I had a great experience there. I've had coaches that I still speak to this day, and I've created some lifelong friends that I still speak to that I, they've come up to my games this year and everything. So you know, don't count those small schools out. Listen, I've always said that, you know, I'm a small school guy, Donald, and the best the best experience of my life was being at a small school, uh, enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying the people around you. You know, I still talk to some of my closest friends and best friends today are still from 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 my small school, Lindenwood University, which is a division two in Missouri. Um, but let me ask you this. I mean, you know, now going forward, you're you're an NFL athlete. You came from a non-scholarship uh, program. Uh, Stetson University. To everyone listening, what does Stetson have to do now? Do you think what's the next step for the University of Stetson football program in order to, to kind of progress now? Um, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a great question. Me and my, uh, me and a couple of my uh, teammates that graduated with me were, were having a, a talk about this uh, the other day. Uh, we did hear of a rumor that uh, the Pioneer Football League, you know, uh, in a couple of years, we were going to have to go scholarship. Um, you know, they weren't going to have a non-scholarship D1 AA anymore. We heard a rumor of that uh, coming in the next uh, uh, three or four years. But one thing I think uh, we just need to get back to the basics, uh, I think. Uh, get back to the basics. A lot of people say that, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people say that my class – my uh, excuse me. My class coming in was one of the better classes because uh, the coaching, the recruiting point for the coaches was I could come in and start all four years. There would be nobody over. There would be no upperclassmen. There would be nobody over me. So you know that was one of the big reasons I chose this. And you know, Coach Young, the defense coordinator, told me, "Hey, I can come here, start all four years. You know, um, be a starter, and I was a captain all four years. And there would be nobody for me to fight for a position with." So I feel like that's why. My class, you know, a lot of people, Davion Bell, Glenn Adesoji, Chris Atkins, Ryan Tindler, a lot of Ryan Powers, a lot of people came out. It's um, kind of sets in my year because of that. But, you know, I think recruiting is starting to pick up. I've seen it a little bit more this year. We had a um, defensive uh, rookie of the year uh, rookie of the year as J.J. Henderson. You know, I, uh, I, I told Coach Young he was going to be a baller. So uh, Rossetti's getting uh, better recruits and better uh, players coming in, and I think – um, in the next couple of years, I think we'll be fighting for a uh, uh, in in that topper bracket of the Pioneer Football League. I'm praying because uh, you know I would love to come back. You know, um, it's always like uh, you know father and son. A father might not might not be able to do something, but he would love it if his son you know did something. So I would love to go back to Stetson, you know, and see and come back and come to a Pioneer Football Championship down in Stetson or anything like that. I would love it. Well, listen, Donald, we want to say thank you for having you on, man. We, we don't want to keep you. Uh, we want to say good luck to you uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Seth and her family, I know, adores you and loves you. And, and, you know, our program here is dedicated to all schools in the state of Florida, not just the big ones, but also the Stetsons of the world. Uh, thank you again uh, for being on the show. Uh, we're super proud of you. No, I'm super proud of you, man. I, I've been on your side since day one. Uh, we want to thank you, and I think the doc wants to uh, send you out with a good song here. Yeah, yeah Donald. Uh, Donald, good luck, man. We're all rooting for you this weekend. All all of Florida's rooting for you guys, and uh, maybe in the future we'll see uh, Donald Payne Stadium on Stetson University. But in, in honor of uh, in honor of your in honor of your success, here's a little Mob Deep, Survival of the Fittest. Survival of the Fittest. Good luck this weekend. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Donald. Take care, buddy. Yes, sir. We'll do. That's it. This is a perfect song for a guy like Donald Payne, uh, who 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 had a struggle in life. And, oh, excuse me, a struggle in, in going to a small school. He understood what it took to be successful, fought his way through. Uh, and he'll tell you, he'll be the first one to tell you survival of fitness is, is definitely uh, for him. There you go. You know, Doc, it's still one of the greatest songs ever written. I don't know if anybody wants to know that or not, but it's definitely, <laughs> it really, it really is. Dude, yeah. dude the, minute, the, the minute it comes on, I, I go, uh, um. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no way to get around that, folks. If you're listening, thanks for listening in. Uh, three and out show here live on Block Talk Radio. Uh, Doc, you want to give out the call in number? Yeah, give us a call six five seven three eight three 
1684. Boy, that was awesome to hear from Donald Payne, man. I, I I'm looking forward to this weekend and, and, and watching the Jaguars. Obviously, you know, for for you and I, we we, we Jacksonville is kind of our our our, our closest um, NFL team, so you know we're we're going to be supporting them and rooting for them, and, and it's just great to see uh, someone like Donald uh, come through a local school like Stetson and, and have the success he's having. Hey, what did Donald say when I said that what, what position I told him he'd be playing in the NFL? Yeah, you told me he'd be a <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> I, I, I sat with him and I, I was on the field with the scouts and I said. I was talking to about four or five of the NFL guys, and I said, guys, this guy's going to be a linebacker. He's going to have to learn how to play linebacker. He's he's too big to play safety. He's, he's a monster. This guy is built like a brick shit house, Doc. He is so yeah. – he's, he's like a specimen. And I said, as soon as I saw him, I said, this guy is going to run like a linebacker. And sure enough, he's playing linebacker now for the uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, and a starter on all special teams. I can't wait. This guy – what a great kid. I mean, you can hear just the way he talks, uh, you know, great, great kid all around, uh, understands, you know, where he's at in life and how he's gotten there. And he's very humble kid. Uh, and obviously want to thank him again for being on the show. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think that emphasizes one of the, the things that separates our, our show from the other shows out there is that, you know, you're in there with these guys, you know, you're sitting down with Donald Payne, during his pro day and talking to him about, you know, what your, your thoughts on, on where he's going to be and, and, and look where he is. So I, you know, I hope the, I hope the listeners realize that, that we're not just some, uh, some jokers up here, uh, blowing smoke, you know, we're, we're actually, uh, been there in the trenches. Oh yeah. And you know, what's funny about that too, doc, is that, you know, he was a safety his whole life or his whole college career. Uh, the guy had 187 tackles as a sophomore. That's, you want to hear that number good. again? You want to hear that number good. again? 187 tackles, man. It's unbelievable. And, he, again, he was he was doing this all from the secondary. He was coming down. And, granted, they had a lot of they had a lot of things going on. But, you know, he was coming down. He was walking down to the line of scrimmage. He was staying in the secondary. I mean, the guy's, the guy's college statistics are through the roof. Um, we, we probably haven't seen a more decorated uh, college player uh, in the FCS or the FBS, to be honest with you, with the stats that this guy's had, uh, with the exception of uh, Connor Harris over at Lindenwood, who uh, broke the uh, the college uh, tackle record, the NCAA tackle record this year, or last year, excuse me, as a senior. But let's move forward, Doc. Uh, we want to talk about some of the playoff games here. First and foremost, this Oklahoma-Georgia uh, game. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> It could have been more timely, Doc. Kind of, uh, the, the best thing about this show is giving you the soundboard, that's for sure. Uh, so let's talk about this Georgia-Oklahoma game. I had I had Oklahoma winning this game outright. I didn't think Georgia could even – to be honest, I didn't think Georgia stood a chance, uh, considering Baker Mayfield, the Heisman winner, was just going to be uh, on fire. But I should have known that the Heisman winner was going to lose because the Heisman winner never really does well when it comes to playoffs and – in national championship games. Doc, I know you, you had a you had a lot of mixed emotions with this game, especially with that onside kick right before the half. Uh, tell me about what you thought about this whole thing. Yeah, you know, you, you and I were both on uh, picking Oklahoma to win this thing. And, uh, you know, being, being a, a guy from the state of Florida, you know, it's very hard to – 
it's very hard to root for Georgia. Uh, but, you know, Oklahoma had this thing uh, dead to rights going into halftime, and, 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 and Lincoln, whatever the hell his name is, their, their coach, Lincoln Riley, got too cute. Just got too cute. You know, they had a, less than a minute to go, and, and instead of kicking it off and basically forcing Georgia to take a knee from the 25-yard line, they, they tried to squib kick to waste more time. The kicker screwed it up. Um, you know, they, they got the ball around the 35 or 40. I can't remember exactly where. Threw one pass, and, 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 and then the, uh, the, the, the speckled behemoth they call Hot Rod um, you know, kicked a 55-yard field goal to make it a 14-point game and really totally changed the complexion of the game. I think that play right there, that stupid squib kick, changed the entire complexion of the game going into halftime and, and really gave Georgia uh, just the slightest glimmer of hope that they could they could pull this thing out. And that and and, and all you need in this game is hope. And they had hope and they pulled it out. Let me tell you, Georgia's biggest like their biggest plus was their defense. Their defense was not very good in the first half. The second half, these guys come out like they're an entirely different ball team. They they came out like they were superheroes. Roquan Smith, I don't know if you saw this guy on the last couple drives of, of Oklahoma, but he himself, by himself, just went nuts on these guys. He was not going to allow anyone to come and get a first down. I mean, it was the most unbelievable individual display of, of defense I've ever seen uh, by Roquan Smith, the 6'1", 225-pound junior from Montezuma, Georgia. The kid just just went – I don't know if he was on another level. I don't know what he did, but he just – they just turned the page in the second half, and they literally shut Baker Mayfield out. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely uh, Montezuma's revenge there. But I, I'm not sure how much of it was uh, Georgia's defense versus, you know, Lincoln Riley just calling more conservative plays in the second half. It, you know, nothing irks me more, and, and, and I'm not an X's no guy. You know, you can probably sit here and, and talk circles around me as far as football strategy, but nothing irks me more than a team – just taking their foot off the gas. If, if you've got a team down, don't change your, your, your offensive strategy. Stick to what you've been doing that's been successful. You start to run, you start to run the prevent offense or prevent defense, and that's when things go south. So I don't know if it was as much Georgia's defense or, or, or more so Oklahoma just changing their, their offensive strategy and not wanting to screw up. They ran a couple of, of options there that looked like you and I running the option. I mean, I mean Baker Mayfield and the running back were right on top of each other. There was no spacing. There was no, there was no confusing any linebackers. It was just awful. And, hey, and Doc, that, you Doc, know, Doc, 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 I, I hate to cut you off here, buddy, but let's back up a few minutes here. You and I running the option. Do you, are you insinuating that I couldn't it, run the option? It, it, it would be it, 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 it would be a seriously a jumbo package, my friend. It would be a jumbo package. <laughs> Listen, our producer Sean, or excuse me, our co-producer Sean and I used to run one of the most sophisticated sandlot option routes prior to me tearing my uh, patella tendon. Uh, but we used to run the most sophisticated option packages in all of the same lab football. And I just wanted to throw that out there. I apologize for interrupting. So go ahead. I apologize. No, that's all right. Yeah. I mean, besides your, your, uh, your, your one run pass option, you know, run pass read, um, you know, they, 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 they were two plays that they, they were third down 
and they needed to gain a few yards. And instead of giving the ball to the Heisman Trophy to throw and, and, and be successful, they ran these stupid options that literally there was no spacing between May, Mayfield and the running back. It had no chance of succeeding. So, you know, as much as I give credit to uh, to Kirby Smart and, and the Georgia defense and Roquan Smith, I, I would argue that uh, Lincoln Riley – you know, becoming very conservative and trying not to lose the game is the reason why they lost the game. And for all intents and purposes, Oklahoma statistically dominated, uh, dominated, uh, excuse me, Georgia. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield threw for 287 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, their their running back rushed for 203 yards uh, and two touchdowns. I mean, with the exception of which obviously when you have a tandem like, uh, you know, Sonny, uh, Sonny Michael and, and Nick Chubb, uh, 181 and 146 respectively, I mean, that, that was their entire offense. I mean, it, it just it, – it was just the most un- – to me it was like a tale of two halves. The first half, Oklahoma, like you said, they the pedaled to the metal. Second half, Georgia figured it out. And I don't know if they stymied them or, or like you said, they just became a mo- the most conservative offense and defense in the history of college football. But, again, two t- a tale of two different halves. And believe it or not, we're actually going to have one of Georgia's formers on the show here in a few minutes, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Orson Charles, uh, tight end, who was with the University of Georgia in 2012. He graduated. He was drafted in the NFL, plays now for the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll get his perspective uh, on what went on uh, in this game. Uh, but, you know, you and I talked a little bit earlier about this. Uh, let, let, let's let's kind of – kind of change gears here and talk about Jake Fromm for a second. Jake Fromm, uh, like I said earlier, Jake Fromm is now the, if he wins this game as a national championship quarterback, he is now the college Tom Brady and Nick Easton is going to end up being the college Drew Bledsoe. What do you think is going to happen in there, Doc? It's a, a Jacob, Jacob Easton, but yeah, I mean, they, they, me, Jacob they, they, you know, um, some of our older listeners may, be, may, may remember Wally Pipp, who was the Yankees' first baseman who got injured, and a young rookie by the name of Lou Gehrig stepped up to, to, to cover him in, uh, I believe it was 2,562 games or something like that uh, later. Who's that? Uh, yeah, before he, he stopped playing. <laughs> so you, you got to think that some of these – one of these guys are going to transfer. We talked about it yesterday. I mean, you know, Frome is um, obviously, you know, has led them to the promised land as a true freshman, and I can't imagine that he's not the uh, the leader in the clubhouse going into next year. They got the, they got a guy coming in uh, who's a five-star, and by many reports is the number one quarterback, um, high school quarterback in the country. So um, got way too many cooks in the kitchen. You got to think that somebody's going to leave, probably, probably East. Um, you know, the kid was a five-star out of, out of the state of Washington, so maybe he'll want to go closer to home. But um, it's it's a it's a it's an embarrassment of wealth for uh, right now, no question. Well, let me let me let me read these to you, Doc. Here for Jake from Jake from 2017 ESPN Freshman All-America Team, 2017 USA Today Sports Freshman All-America Team, 2017 Coaches SEC Freshman of the Year. 2017 Coaches Freshman All-SEC, and the 2007 AP-SEC Co-Newcomer of the Year. Uh, what, 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 what do we do here for Jacob? 
what, yeah, what, 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 what do we do with this kid? I, I, I feel bad for him. You know, I, 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 I honestly feel bad for him. I don't know if you remember the Tennessee game last year uh, between Georgia and, and Tennessee, and Eason threw this unbelievable, one of the most beautiful balls I could ever see uh, to almost beat the balls. But when on that particular throw, I, I looked at this kid. And I said, "Wow, this kid has a this, this is the next guy." Unfortunately, after an injury, and he was touted as one going to be one of the best quarterbacks in, in college football this year, the six five, two hundred thirty five pound sophomore gets injured. In comes Jacob Fromm, and next thing you know, uh, Jacob Eason is uh, no longer even on the radar. Yeah, no, I, you, you got to imagine this is Fromm's uh, Fromm's Fromm's job. Um, and for those of you who don't remember, anybody remember the injury that uh, Drew Bledsoe had in that game? I believe he had a pulmonary artery tear, uh, so he tore an artery to his lungs on that sideline hit. Um, that was a uh, actually a pretty devastating injury. Um, but, a, but a young man, a six-round draft pick out of uh, University of Michigan, strolled in there um, by the name of uh, Tom Brady and has done pretty well for himself. So, yeah, these things happen. Um, but you got to imagine that, that, that somebody's transferring in the next year or two. And a lot of these uh, programs and coaches, Doc, they, they also live by the, the you won't lose your job to an injury. Do you think that that's going to happen here? <laughs> Do you honestly think that Jacob Eason's going to get his job back if Jacob Fromm, if Jake Fromm wins the national title this year? There's no way, right? I, I can't. I can't imagine. I, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I. It's hard to take a true freshman who took your team to the first national title in almost 40 years. Um, is going to be on the hot seat. Definitely. Once again, you're listening to the Three and Out Show on Block Talk Radio. Uh, your everything source for college football in the state of Florida. Doc, you want to give them that number to call in? Yeah, we got uh, 657-383-1684. Give us a call, 657-383-1684. Let's talk about uh, the, the other game, uh, the, the Alabama uh, versus Playoffs? Clemson. Don't talk about playoffs. you kidding me? Playoffs? That just does not get old, no matter what happens, man. It just does not get old. <laughs> oh, my Lord, dude. I, I'm so tired of seeing Alabama be Alabama. You know, it's just... So this is what I think about Alabama right now. It's just, it just, it just gets bad. It's the same thing over and over again. I, I particularly, for one, I have no interest in the national championship game. Is that is that terrible? I, I yeah, literally have, well, I have no interest in it. Seeing how you're the co-host of a college football uh, show, I would say that's pretty bad. Yes. I I have no interest in watching. Alabama play Georgia. I got to be honest with you. I, listen, I, the SEC is the SEC, and yes, it's supposedly, supposedly the greatest conference in college football history. Now they've been getting a lot of slack uh, recently, the SEC, because they had a horrible, horrible bowl season this year. Unfortunately, the SEC, in my mind, and I don't know about you, how can you not say they're not the best? college uh, conference in the country. Let me give you some stats, Doc. You ready for this? I am, yeah. 2017, I'm going to read you the national champions from from 2017 to 2006. Ready for this? In 2017, it's going to be Alabama or UGA. They're both SEC teams. 
It went from Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State. This is where it gets a little different in the in the conferences. Alabama, <laughs> Alabama, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, LSU, Florida. Those are all yeah, SEC no. teams. So if you, if you go back the last 40 years, because all, all the Big Ten fans out there want to argue, oh, it's only, it's only in recent history that uh, SEC has had success. Let's go back the last 40 years. The Big Ten has had two and a half national champions, Ohio State twice, and Michigan was a co-champion um, in 1997, I believe, with – I'm blanking. Nebraska. Nebraska, that is right. Yep, they are co-champions. You want to you know how I know that? How do you know that? <laughs> because Nebraska beat Tennessee in the Orange Bowl that year, and they co-championed with the ex-Heisman winner, Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson, yep, yep, you're right. Proceed. So two two and a half national champions in the last 40 years for the Big Ten. The SEC during that time frame, this is the last 40 years, has had 16 and a half national champions. So to, to don't come at me with this Big Ten SEC's down. Danny Cannell can, can sit there and, and cower in a corner and suck his thumb. The SEC is by far and away the most dominant conference in college football. And, and for those of you fans out there who have not experienced SEC football, it is a different world out there. It is. You can go to Tallahassee and you, you can you can uh, you know drive past the Capitol and all the law all lawmakers, and then go into Florida State and, and think it's a cool atmosphere. You show up at an SEC uh, city during an SEC game, it's a different world. And, and, and I'm sorry to say, the college football bubble uh, revolves around uh, SEC uh, conference. It's hard to argue that the SEC is not the best, uh, considering their record, obviously. Um, listen, Alabama, to me, they're NFL 2.0. They're, they're, they're like, I think these guys could beat the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they're, they're potentially a, a, a powerhouse that could not be beat. You got guys that go to Alabama. This is the best part about Alabama when the, in the SEC. You can go to Alabama, and here's the recruiting pitch. Hey, I'm Nick Saban. You want to come here and sit for three years because you're not going to play until you're a senior. But don't worry, you're going to get you're going to go to the NFL right after that. That's the recruiting pitch at Alabama. These guys don't re they don't uh, what is it they don't uh, rebuild they reload. I mean these guys got four and five star players that sit the bench for three years. There's no other school in the country that does that. Yeah, I'm not sure how they convince a player to, to a five star athlete to come there and. And and be a backup. I, I'll never understand that, but somehow they do it, um, you know. But but you know, kudos to them. And 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 I I, I have been there, and you know, obviously I'm not going to get into where where who I was with and, and what, but I've been there, rolling into Tuscaloosa with a team, getting off the bus, and then blasting Sweet Home Alabama to all the buses. You can't even hear yourself think it's blasting so loud as you walk in there, and it's a pretty intimidating atmosphere. There. In Tuscaloosa, no question. Well, it just goes to show. I mean, we just had a, a playoff game where Alabama played the number one team in the country, Clemson Tigers, uh, and they won twenty-four. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. <laughs> you me? They they love it. Listen, uh, they went in. They they beat they beat the Clemson. And did, Clemson didn't even look like they belonged on the field. To be honest, with you. I thought UCF could beat Clemson. I still think UCF could beat Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> I'll tell you that till I'm proven wrong. But Alabama goes in, they just wipe the they wipe the field. Uh, 
with, with Clemson, uh, the number one team in the country. Uh, so, I mean, where's the argument? How can you argue? I mean, listen, I, I agree. Ohio State is a good team. Doc, I'm sure you agree. Ohio State is a good team. And, yes, they are a national powerhouse. But but the, the, the talent in the SEC from the top to the bottom, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, you know, the list goes on. You don't have that in the Big Ten. Who do you have besides Ohio State? Where, where's the argument? Yeah, you know, if, if Georgia does somehow pull this off and win – um, then you would have in the last 20 years, you would have six different SEC schools <clears throat> having won the national championship. And you, you, have, you know this as well as I do. SEC East, you'll have Tennessee, Florida twice, and then Georgia. SEC West, you'd have Alabama, I don't know, four or five times, Auburn once, and LSU. So, I mean, you got six teams in the last 20 years who won a national championship. So, to everyone out there who's saying, oh, it's just Alabama, it's just Alabama. Yeah, right now Alabama certainly is the king. But you got a lot of other schools that are, that are kind of uh, circling the uh, the boat, uh, you know, waiting for the chum to be the next in line. And, and, and you know, for, from the foreseeable future, the, the national championship is still going to run through the southeast uh, moving forward. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. In fact, I, I, I would almost say that, I don't know that you're not going to have an SEC team in the national championship every year. Obviously, the way the bowl series and the playoff pictures are all set up, they're always going to have an SEC team, at least in the in the playoff, uh, which gives them an opportunity where, you know, you got a team like UCF who's 13-0, and uh, they can't even get a sniff for the national title. But hopefully that will all change uh, moving forward. Once again, you're listening to uh, Three and Out uh, on Blog Talk Radio, your everything source for college football. Uh, coming up soon. We've got Orson Charles uh, from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs going to be calling in here. Uh, there it is, former former UGA dog. Uh, can, 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 he's going to call in, kind of weigh in. We're going to talk to him about obviously his time at Georgia, and we're also going to talk yet about uh, about his time now at Kansas City. Um, he's got a uh, um, a great story. I mean, the guy's played all over the place. Orson Charles. Uh, was a draft pick by the Cincinnati Bengals in 2012. One of one of the best tight ends, that obviously, that Georgia's ever had. They, they actually have a history of good tight ends there. Randy McMichael, uh, also another great tight end uh, who played for the Miami Dolphins for, for a long time, uh, and Orson Charles, obviously. He's a uh, Florida transplant uh, from actually Plant High School in Tampa, Florida. He went. He's from Tampa originally. Uh, and, and also, uh, we, just a great guy, and we'll, we'll be able to talk with him about what's going on here with the University of Georgia and get his his perspective. I know, actually, he went back to school, got his college degree um, while he's been kind of in and out of the NFL for the last few years. Uh, so it'll be fun to talk to him and see what he's got going on uh, going yeah. forward. Randy McMichael uh, was one of the one of the greatest players to ever play in braces in the history of the NFL. He, he won, won, won me a few uh, fantasy football leagues. <laughs> That's, that's pretty funny that you remember that guy had braces. He <laughs> won me a few uh, fantasy leagues back in uh, medical school. Oh, really? Yes, Doc, he did. I remember. I got to tell you, Doc, you were the one that got me into fantasy football. I don't know if you remember this. The Doc had me in his fantasy football school uh, league when he was in medical school. I had never done it before in my life. 
I want to say this is Doc talking to me. 99, maybe? 90, 2000? What were we talking about? Uh, I finished medical school in two, uh, 2003, so 99 would have been the first year, yeah. So Doc calls me up and says, hey, you want to get into this fantasy football? And I said, whatever, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do whatever you want to do. And so this guy puts me in the league, and I, I, I put a team. I had, I took, actually, I took over a team. That was the worst part. I took over a team. I didn't even get the – this was before I knew about drafting or the whole thing. I take over this team, and I didn't like my – I didn't like my players at the time. And I remember I traded Anquan Bolden. I don't know if you remember this. I traded Anquan Bolden and Amon Green for Charlie Garner because Charlie oh, yeah. Garner went to the University played, of Tennessee. Played for, he played for Tennessee. I, I, I knew your weakness. I knew your weakness. <laughs> And I remember making this trade to the guy that eventually won the league, and I just remember the call from the doc saying, what on earth did you just do? And I said, what are you talking about? I just got Charlie Garner. It's one of the best running backs in the University of Tennessee history. He goes, dude, you just basically handed this guy the chance. I had no idea what I was doing. Fast forward a few years later, I was a dominant force in fantasy football. Well, yeah, you ran like 10 teams. You, you, were, you were basically the Theo Epstein of fantasy football, uh, uh, managing all these different teams. The, 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 best, the best name our first year of fantasy football, the best team name was what? Oh, I have no I can't remember. BG's Bitches. <laughs> That's a great name. Shut up. Shout out to our co-producer BG who had BG's bitches. That's his, BG's, that's his team. But did he win that? I don't. Know. Did he didn't win though, right? He just was in the league. BG's bitches. I can't remember who won that year, but but I remember our second year we we had the draft and it was a, it was the first year we actually all got together for the draft. This was this was probably 2000. So you know the, the fantasy football was still kind of new. We were on Yahoo webpage. We're all getting ready for the draft on one Saturday. We're all fired up. And then my roommate uh, at the time had the first pick. And we all knew he was going to take Randy Moss. I mean, that, that we, all, we, we knew it was coming. We I knew it was coming. And so we're all, we're all jockeying for position to, to figure out who, who, was gonna, who we're going to take next. You know, you had Sean Alexander. You had, uh, you know, you had Armand Green. You had all these guys that were available. And, and the Thompson. Daily and yeah, and right, yeah, yeah, a lot of people. So, so we're all jockeying for position, and then all of a sudden the draft starts, and my roommate at the time had the first pick, and 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 he's not picking, and he's not picking, and when we knew he wanted Randy Moss, like, well, what what the hell is going on? He's not picking, and all and all of a sudden the time goes off, and he takes Derek Mason of the Tennessee Titans. (laughs) We're like. What the hell just happened? And I, and, 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 I, and I run into the other room. I'm like, dude, what happened? He's like, my computer froze, man. It just picked whoever I was on. <laughs> and and then, it, then it was like a total free-for-all. For those of you who have not seen the uh, the YouTube video about Leroy Jenkins, have you, have you seen this, Sammy? The, the guy played a video game, and he's like, Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. <laughs> that was basically... That was basically what happened after after he picked Derek Mason, because then it all just became a shit show at that point. Uh, oh my god, that was one of the funniest things. I, I I can tell you, everybody was staring at their computer in awe of what just happened. Did he really take Derek? Listen, Derek Mason, great receiver in the NFL, great fantasy receiver. The number one overall pick, not so much, not even close. 
no, not so much. Yeah, no, it was a, it was definitely something that, uh, that, 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 that one actually one of the funnier fantasy football moments of my life actually was that that particular moment. Uh, but either way, let's fast, let, let's get back on track here. Uh, so Doc. <laughs> Let's talk about this national championship game a little bit here. We got Georgia going against Alabama here. Uh, obviously, Georgia's defense is one of the best. There it is. <laughs> if I can give any opportunity for the doc to play this this little sound bit, he's going to do it as much as he possibly can. But doc, uh, Georgia's defense obviously against Alabama's everything. Uh, who, who, who do you see? Who do you think is going to win this game, doc? Who, who do you think's got the upper hand here? Boy, this one is is intriguing. You have uh, the mentor versus the mentee. You have SEC juggernauts. I think it's going to be a, a low scoring game, which may not excite a lot of people. I mean that 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 Rose Bowl was was probably, in my mind, maybe next to the I believe it was the 2006 Rose Bowl that was Texas versus USC. Um, but this year's Rose Bowl was probably the second most exciting big game uh, that I've seen in college football. But so I, I do not expect that type of game um, next uh, on Monday night. I, I expect a low-scoring game because I don't think either defense is going to get up a lot of big plays. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the spread is like four points. Um, you know, uh, Alabama's favored by four. I, I hate to say it, um, you know, I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. I, I think Jacob Fromm does just enough to not screw things up for a true freshman, and, and uh, I think there's a good chance that Georgia's going to take it home. And, and I, as much as I hate to say it, that's, that's where I'm going. Well, Georgia also has a home game here, too. I mean, let's not forget that fact either. Uh, Georgia's playing in, in Georgia at the, at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the best, one of the best stadiums I've ever been to. It'll probably be it'll pro- probably be the most expensive college football game of all time. Right now, the get-in price to Mercedes-Benz Stadium is uh, uh, over two thousand dollars. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's 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 unbelievable. The ticket prices are through the roof, and uh, it, it's going to continue to get to get worse and worse. Uh, and, and a guy that actually knows a little bit about uh, the ticket pricing at Georgia and everything that's going on with Georgia is Orson Charles. And Orson Charles, I believe we have here on the radio with us. Orson, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. How you doing? Uh, we're great, man. Doc's gonna play your. Uh, he's been playing "Who Let the Dogs Out" for all the all the UGA UGA fans here that are calling in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Orson, thanks for coming on the show, man. Obviously, we we know each other. We go back a long ways. Uh, I got my co-host, the Doc, on with us. Uh, Doc Orson, Orson, the Doc. Hey, Orson, how you doing, buddy? How you doing, sir? Good, good, good. I'm well, yourself? Good, thank you. Congratulations on uh, on, on both your 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 alma mater and and your current team with Kansas City. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, Orson, I want to dive into you because listen, you and I go back a long way. I know everything that's been going on with you uh, since since your college days into your pro days. Uh, you know, we just got done talking about. Well, we're actually not got done. We're still talking about this uh, Georgia Alabama game. Uh, Orson, did you play Alabama when you were at Georgia? No, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to play Alabama, which I'm I'm completely mad about. They played Bama the year I left. The next year I had left. Um, that's when they played Alabama SEC championship. I can I can tell you that Georgia, uh, Alabama, and Georgia, for us now, like we, we just we're just going back and forth, but. 
you know, we're trying to compare the Georgia defense to the Alabama offense. The doc doesn't think that that the Georgia or excuse me, the Alabama offense is as good enough, as good as the uh, the Georgia defense. So when you were in school, though, if I'm not mistaken, your defense was actually one of the better defenses in the country, was it not? Oh, 100%. Like, we had Jarvis, we had Justin, Avery, uh, Gino, Rambo, you know, Sean Williams, like Alec Ogletree. Like, we had the boys. Um, yeah, I mean, so you basically had an all-pro defense, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, that defense now, if that defense was on the field right now, would Alabama score any points in the national championship game? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I would be stupid to say that Alabama will not score any points um, because it is the national championship, and I don't think they would be where they are now if uh, they wouldn't be able to score. So I definitely think that they're going to score points. Um, I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Um, I, I definitely think it's going to be, you know, a good, hard-fought SEC matchup game that everybody's looking forward to seeing. No doubt about it. Orson, let, let's talk a little bit about you, uh, and then we'll get back to Georgia. Uh, Orson Charles uh, was drafted uh, in 2012 uh, with the 116th overall pick by the Cincinnati Bengals. You've had a you've kind of been a journey guy a little bit. Uh, you played for the Tennessee Titans, the New Orleans Saints, the Detroit Lions, uh, and now the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you and I have spoken numerous amount of times about what's going on with you. And one thing I've always loved about you, Orson, is you're, you 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 never given up faith. You've never given up the fight, and it's showing now because now you're going to the playoffs uh, as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, to play the Tennessee Titans in the first round of, of the playoffs. Uh, can, you, can, you, can you talk to us about your, your mindset and how you were able to get through what you've gone through to get to where you're at right now? I mean, I, I, I can I can tell you right now, I couldn't have gone through it by myself. Um, first and foremost, I'll, I'll definitely like to thank my Lord and Savior for, you know, continuing to show me the way when I didn't, when I couldn't even see it. And, um, I'm definitely thankful for the people that I surround myself with, uh, which is my mom, you know, my mentor, my pastor, you know, my best friend and my coach. These are all people that just, you know, kept me, you know, in good spirit, you know, letting me know that, like, hey, Orson, no matter what, we're still proud of you. Um, and or like my pastor is like, hey, I don't think it's done. I don't think, you know, I don't think your time is done. You know, just continue to keep pressing forward and believing in the Lord. So, um, I definitely, I, I'm definitely hanging my hat on like my circle because they're the one that really helped me get through, you know, that fight. They're the one that really helped me continue to keep working out every day when I didn't think or know that I could get a call. And Lord, when I get that call, and now you know we're, we're playing in the playoffs. Hey Orson, hey, it's, it's the doc here. So you guys are playing the uh, the Titans uh, Saturday, 4:35. It is probably going to be absolutely freezing. Um, tell me what, what that what, what's that like? I, I've actually been to Arrowhead uh, when I worked with the uh, the Buccaneers back in 2008. That place is crazy. Uh, it, it, it is very loud, but it's going to be cold as hell there. So tell me how you're preparing for that atmosphere. To be honest, like it's really not going to be cold. It's going to sound weird coming from me because I'm I'm a Florida native, but it's actually going to be 40 degrees, and that's great weather compared to the weather we've been playing in. Cause I know we went to Denver and we played we played in what ten degrees, 
Um, and, you know, when we came back here and, and a couple of our practices in our last home game, like, it was fairly cold. Like, it was probably 10 or 12 degrees. So, 40, deg- uh, 40 degrees in January, we'll take it any day. Uh, listen, being from Florida, I don't know if you know what's going on in Florida right now, but in Daytona Beach, Florida, it's about 40 degrees. It's going to dip into the 30s here shortly. Uh, I got people covering plants. I got people going crazy. I've never seen, they probably <laughs> ran out of they probably ran out of logs and heaters at every Home Depot and Lowe's in, in the state of Florida right now uh, because it's just unbelievable. Uh, but listen, Orson, you you went to uh, Tampa Plain High School. Obviously, we we're, we we're so excited that you're a Florida guy, and that's why we wanted to get you on the show. Our show is dedicated to all the Florida. Florida schools that that come out college and high school, obviously. Uh, but let, let's talk about uh, the AFC, uh, the playoff game here. You're getting ready to play the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you yourself, yeah, you I know you had a big catch, and, and we, I texted you the other day about it. Uh, that big catch you had against Miami. Uh, what's the game plan? And you don't have to tell us, but what are you guys looking forward to and not looking forward to when it comes to uh, playing the Tennessee Titans? So the thing is, we're, we're looking forward to everything, uh, and we know we know uh, what situation we're in right now. We know that's an elimination game. There's no, oh, my bad, or we'll get it next week. No, there's none of that. Uh, we know that we have to put our best foot forward and leave everything on the field because it could be our last game, even though we don't want it to be. And we know that we have the talent. We know that we have the coaches, and we know that we can play good football together so why not go do it? So that's that's one of the main things that we're focusing on and understanding that, hey, this is an elimination game and we have to put our best foot forward or we're going to be going home. Yeah, no, and listen, nobody wants to go be – nobody wants to watch the playoffs, obviously, uh, and, and that's that's understandable. Uh, Doc, do we have a caller come, calling in for Orson real quick? Yeah, we got uh, Sean, our co-producer here from uh, from Daytona, Calling in. Sean, you got a question from Orson, Kansas City Chief tied in here? How you doing, Orson? I'm doing good. And yourself? I, I'm I'm good. Um, He's also a, uh, a Georgia Bulldog. Did you, Sean, did you watch the game uh, yesterday? Yes, I did. I was, um, yes, I did watch that game. I was uh, actually, for the first time in my life, rooting for Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best games I ever saw. (laughs) I picked the right side. Yeah. um, Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you have a question for Orson? Well, I I I wasn't calling in for that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, Sean. Well, give us one sec, bud. Yeah. So or, Orson, Orson, so talk talk to us about the uh, the Georgia game, the national. Are, are you going to make it down to the uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium uh, on Monday night? So I'm not I'm not completely sure because um, I have some family coming up for this game and they they leave Monday. Um, so I want to spend time with my family, um, and if anything, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna watch it. Um, find, uh, watch it. I know Chris Conley is here, so we might go somewhere and watch the game, um, and probably link up with Rameek Wilson and Justin if Justin's not going down there and, and trying to find a place to watch the game. 
Listen, Orson, I got to tell you, man, uh, you know, obviously I've followed you for so long, and I, I know what your struggle, I know you've been through. Uh, you went back to school, if I'm not mistaken, you got your degree. You got you graduated from the University of Georgia in the in the off season that you've been taking time off while you were trying to transition through this league. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because um, I know um, that football can be taken at any given moment, and one thing that can be taken is your degree. And um, I know, uh, even though we don't uh, want to see it, but at some point football will end, and we all need something to fall back on. So um, that was definitely one thing that you know I made a promise to my mom, and I made a promise to myself was to go back to school and get my degree. Listen, you've seen this business from all aspects, and what can you tell our listeners and future guys that are actually listening to us? Because we have a lot of players that listen. Uh, you know, guys who are who are cut, who are released, who are just kind of waiting on the bubble. What can you tell those guys and what kind of advice can you give those kids who are just kind of in limbo when it comes to where, what their next move is and where their next paycheck's coming from? Uh, so the, the, the one, I can only give advice what I held myself to. And the one thing I can say is just always continue to uh, stay prayed up and ask for his guidance, uh, one, first and foremost. And two, if it's something that, you know, you desperately want to do, if it's still your dream, it's still your aspiration, don't let nobody else turn you down. Continue to keep chasing it. Um, And then when you get your chance, when you get your opportunity, definitely leave it all on the field. Um, So that's how how I applied myself, and and, um, I think that's the only thing I can really say. And uh, once once you do get that call and you're in practice, Try not to be perfect because uh, nobody's really going to be perfect. You want to be coachable. Uh, one of a bet, I want to say Harris Newman or uh, Ben Watson, they was like, hey, I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm trying to be coachable. Um, and, I, and for some reason, that stuck with me for a very long time because we all like, hey, be perfect and be perfect. And that. ideally, nobody's really perfect but God. But if you're coachable, I know a coach would love to coach somebody that's coachable and stubborn and stuck in his ways. Hey, or- Orson, uh, the doc here. Uh, Sammy G and I have a bet, and I, w- I want you to settle it. Is <clears throat> Randy McMichael the best NFL player to play with braces, in your opinion? He said. Randy McMichael, the former Georgia tight end who played in the league, played for the Dolphins. I I would argue the greatest player in NFL history to play with braces on. What are your thoughts? To be honest, I never really knew he had braces. I never seen Randy play. Yeah, he had braces. He had braces <laughs> in the NFL. That that was strictly a fantasy football uh, uh, history question. This guy loved Randy Michael. <laughs> he was on his fantasy football team, and he had braces. That's the only reason why he remembers him. <laughs> <laughs> Orson, let me tell you, man, uh, you know, we've known each other a long time. Nothing to me speaks better about a person when somebody can, can compliment their character as a human being. I got to tell you, man, Orson, you're one of the most unbelievable men I've ever met in my life. Not a great football, obviously great athlete, but as a man, I couldn't be more proud and more, more, uh, more, more happy for you. And I, I think you're one of the, the greatest guys I've ever met in this business. You, you've kind of, you kind of defied all the odds. You know, you were out of football for so long. You kept your fight 
and you stayed your stayed humble and and you deserve everything that you're getting right now. And I want to ask you this before we let you go. Um, you know, two years ago, you and I were always talking about trying to get you somewhere and how we can help you move forward. Did you ever think that right now you'd be going to the AFC playoffs with the Kansas City Chiefs and being actually a part of what's happening? The thing that and, – and, and the crazy thing is, no, I didn't um, because I was really I was really close to hanging it up because um, I always told myself I don't want to be chasing something that's not meant to be chased. Um, and it's not like I didn't have my degree um, and I was living in Atlanta, so my network uh, was big out there, and I've been going to a lot of job interviews, and a lot of people was like, hey, like we want to hire you, but we kind of know that you're still working out trying to itch to get back in there. Um, but, you know, if you would have asked me then if I thought I was going to be where I am now, no. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't think so. And, and that's, why, that's why I believe in my God, because he did and he knew, you know, where I was going to be. Um, and um, he, he definitely, like I said earlier, he definitely blessed me with people in my circle that I can lean on, that can probably see those things that I can't. So um, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that. Listen, man, I couldn't be happy for you. Uh, you, you, you and I, like I said, you and I, man, we're boys, and 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 I'm so happy for your success and what's going on with you. And I and I hope this goes for a long, long, long time. And I hope we can call you back in, in another in two to three years, five years, even, and say, hey, man, come back on the show and talk to me about your your All Pro uh, season, uh, Doc. Before we go, Doc's gonna Doc's our soundboard guy. He will not let me Boy, let me leave. Yeah, he will not let me leave. Who let the dogs out? That's Orson Charles, man, and thank you again, Orson, for being on the show. Uh, we couldn't be uh, we couldn't be happy for you. Good luck with you uh, going into the playoffs here, and hopefully we can get you on again soon. Oh no, no, tell me whenever. Come, come on, tell me whenever you want. Thank you for having me on the show. We appreciate it. That's Orson Good Charles. Luck. Good luck, end. Orson. Good luck, buddy. There you go. All right, thank you, sir. Orson Charles, tight end number eighty-two for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Tampa Plant. Uh, high school and went to the University of Georgia, uh, a bulldog. Obviously, why the doc keeps firing off the "Who Let the Dogs Out" uh, song here. Uh, so, listen, man, have you ever just from just from some of the some of the interviews, doc? Have you ever heard a more more humble and more you know just just a great guy on 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 the air? No, that's a great that's a great story. You know, uh, to hear. Him come through uh, some adversity, and obviously you know you know story better than most people. But uh, um, to hear him almost hang it up, and then, and then now be in the uh, playoffs, I believe they're the AFC, AFC West champions, and uh, you know it, it's, uh, it's just a great story. Speaking of great stories, let's, let's talk to our boy our co-producer here. Yeah, let's talk to Sean about uh, what just happened here. Uh, <laughs> listen, some guys are big for on here, and some guys are. Thank you. And I gotta be honest with you. I think. <laughs> play that thing. Play that thing, Doc. Play a little louder for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Listen, one well, of the best thank things that ever happened to me. Thank you for putting me on the spot there. One of the best things that ever happened to me was that, that brief. <laughs> A brief, a brief silence from Sean, our co-producer, who called in. I, I, I just, a most unbelievable call in. I, I wish there was a way to record that. 
but I will speak and I'll make sure everybody listens to what just happened with Chuck. It was the most uncomfortable <laughs> silence in an interview I've ever seen in my life. Some people are yeah, meant to the big stage, Sean, and some people are meant to just be behind the camera. That's all there is to it. No, no, uh, I, I, I wasn't calling in for that reason, and then all of a sudden I heard my name. Hey, hey there's a question for Orson. Well, <laughs> Sammy, Sammy texts me and says, hey, put Sean on. I think he wants to talk to Orson. I'm like, all right. And then we're like, hmm, maybe, maybe he doesn't want to talk to Orson. No, I, I mean, it was a really nice guy, but no, I wasn't calling in for that reason. I almost <laughs> contemplated of acting like the phone hung up. Hung up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, hey, oh my goodness! Hey, so so, so, no, no, it, it was good. It was it was, it was good, good humor. So, hey, I, I need to get a audio clip since I'm a soundboard guy. I need to get an audio clip of of you with no set tripping, no pistol whipping, no popping off at the lip. Oh, he's bringing back the old school. <laughs> yeah. so we're gonna bring it back or... even further than that. Oh, where? where <laughs> so you think that we really got it good? Oh. There you go. Don, uh, how's it go? How's it go, Sean? <laughs> That's your verse. I don't know that one. Uh, oh, my God. Listen, for those that are listening, uh, our, our co-producer, Sean, uh, who works in television, um, this is his first, first, obviously his first gig in radio. But our, our co-producer, Sean, who works in radio, we all grew up together here, myself and the doc. We all were, we all used to be little rap stars growing up and uh we used to kick some verses but actually sean's gonna i don't know if i told you this doc or not but sean's actually gonna write us a uh a song for our show a three and out song or three and out no song. no no that'd be great man i remember i remember back in the day that he he, he could spit it really well oh yeah yeah hey, hey sean well we got sean because you know sean was actually on our greatest show that ever that we ever aired which is our uh national signing day show uh and and sean likes to think it was because he likes to think it's because he was on the air that 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 was possible uh sean let's put you on the spot here did you you said you watched that georgia oklahoma game right yes what are your predictions for the national championship georgia alabama and tell us why you think that Uh, i uh i am leaning towards georgia and I am in agreement with Doc that I, I I'm not sold on Jalen. I don't. I think that Georgia is fast enough to contain the run, and I don't trust Jalen's arm to get them the victory. To be honest, and I don't. And I believe that Kirby Smart will have uh, an edge. He'll know some tendencies of Nick Saban and his team. While I don't think Nick Saban will know that of Kirby Smart, as this is. Yeah, it's him being a head coach now. So I'm actually leaning towards Georgia in this. So, I, Sean, I know it's going to be tough for you uh, being, a, being a Gator guy and all, um, but it's kind of one of these things are, you know, the, which is the, the, the lesser of two evils? Do you want to see Alabama uh, you know, win their sixth national title, or do you want to see Georgia continue their momentum? I don't know. As a Gator, as a Gator person, well, what, t- tell me your thoughts there. You know, that is a, that is a struggle. I mean, I, I during bowl season, I, I'm happy for a victory for the SEC. But this dynasty that Alabama is, that's, uh, this decade of dominance they're having is getting a little tiresome to me. And Georgia, of course, like, 
do not like Georgia because I am a Gator. But for this one, I'm I'm leaning towards Georgia. Did you uh, did you follow the uh, the Florida early signing period at all? Seeing that they uh, signed the quarterback out of uh, out of Georgia, Emory Jones, and any thoughts on that? Uh, yes, actually, um, I just got back from Orlando over at ESPN Wild World of Sports. I was working the Under Armour All American Under Armour. Uh, oh, that's perfect. Yet. Game Thursday, I'll be I'll be there working that too. But we just did the uh, we're shooting the practices, and then today they had the skills competition. So I was actually watching Emory up close. Yeah, did you know you were out there? Yeah, I I did. I tried to get him on the show, but the next thing you know, this guy doesn't want to be on the show. He's coming from Orlando. I mean, what kind of co-producer do we have here? Man, so yeah, speak speak to us. You got you got some inside scoop here. Well, what did you think? Okay. Um, well, I'll know more when I watch him play in the game to see how he 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 runs because I, I think he's a run first guy. First um, mistake in scouting, right there. First mistake in scouting. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you learn more well, practice. Well, when I was game. watching him throw, he some of the shorter passes he was hitting uh, pretty good, but I felt that he struggled a little bit on the long ball. Struggled in accuracy or in, in uh, arm strength? In accuracy and, and arm strength. Oh, boy. that's, that's From what I saw, a little bit. I mean, not, stuff he could stuff he could uh, work on and, and uh, when they develop. Um, I mean, he, 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 he could launch he, the ball, but, I mean, he didn't launch it the further, farthest. But just a couple of, their, you know, the running routes in practice and the shorter passes when he was, like, uh, Rolling out, he was nailing those. A right. couple of the uh, fades, that's good because, some of the uh, that's long good balls. Because he I, might I have to scramble that. a lot because their offensive line is not very good, so he, he'll probably be on the run quite a bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the, the, the nice thing is that the the, uh, the Mullen, you know, the Mullen offense is a run for run first exactly. offense, so so I think he'll fit well in that. Hopefully, exactly. I think yeah, also and, they and, definitely and, got and to put a little more weight on them. And he's not a guy that's that. If I'm not mistaken, uh, he's the guy that they want to come in right away and contribute like immediately. They're not. This isn't the guy that they oh, yeah. want to develop. Yes, and I mean, and he's playing with all you know people he's never played with before. So I mean, I can't, you know, put this down. Hey, as, as I, don't know, ball, I don't know if you know but, this or not, Sean, but when he goes to the University of Florida, he's not going to know those guys either. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but, but he will fun. be practicing with them every day and playing with them. Oh, not just for oh, a week. oh, okay. But but from what from what I hear, from what I hear, he's been doing some serious recruiting there. They've got some pretty good receivers that are unsigned that he's put the uh, the full court press on. From what I've heard. Yes, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but um, suppose, uh, man, this, it, it, the, the the one of the receivers' names are slipping my slip in my brain right now supposedly he was the fastest guy out there and he's he's gonna declare during the game and it's i believe yeah. it's down to they say it's, it's down to uh auburn and florida i believe it's probably it's probably anthony schwartz out of american that's heritage it. that's it yeah, out of american that's heritage it. fastest guy in the state 
the docs yeah, are resident uh, high school recruiting guru here. Uh, th- this is one area of football that this guy will always lap me in. Unfortunately, is high school recruiting. Uh, I just I just don't know as much as the doc does. Nor do I, apparently do I know as much as our co-producer Sean here, who was actually at the All American High School uh, uh, Skills Competition today. Yeah, the uh, Under Armour Under Under Armour All American, which is different than the Army All American game. Just just for clarification. <laughs> That's what I meant. Under Armour, excuse me, Doc. Uh, once again, you're yeah, listening to the some, Three and Out Show. Hey, uh, co-producer, know your role. Once again, you're listening to the Three and Out Show on Block Talk Radio. Uh, doc, doc, give the call-in number. Yeah, give us a call. <laughs> 657-383-1684. Give us a call. 657-383-1684. Sean, let's go back. Yeah, let's go back first. Let's go back to your interview with Arsenal. He's got a question, Sam. All right, go ahead, because you're so good at these. Well, no, it's not a question. I just wanted to touch up on something that you were talking about earlier. Okay. If you would have saw this with your own eyes, uh, Doc, you would have been amazed. Sammy's not lying when when I tell you we were 95 Nebraska Sandlot football team. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys were Tommy Frazier and Mon Green No, Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips oh, Listen, I'm not lying to you For at least probably two months in a row Maybe three months in a row Definitely two months in a row Every Sunday We had literally 11 on 11 We averaged 11 on 11 Sandlot football Every Sunday, it became Daytona Beach versus Port Orange. And this is no lie. And we were literally 95 Nebraska. They couldn't stop us. <laughs> I, can, I, can only, I, I can only imagine. I took offense to the doc telling me that we couldn't run the triple option. I, I'm sure you oh heard that God. when you were listening. When dude, you were listening dude, earlier, Sean. I didn't say, I didn't yes, say I heard we. that. I didn't say we. I said if you and I couldn't run it, it'd be the freaking jumbo package, dude. It'd be it'd be uh, it'd be bringing in the fridge, eighty five bears, you know, bringing the fridge in the backfield. Uh, uh, listen, oh, yeah. I, I gotta tell you, and, and Sean will be the first one to tell you, uh, if you needed that yard or a touchdown, you're gonna give Sammy G the ball. That's that's all there was. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. That was one of the funnest times though ever in my life. It was great. Do you guys, do you guys, do you guys play at Long Street? We, no, we, no, played we played over at Silver Sands. Uh, middle school. Silver Sands. Middle school, excuse me, middle school. <laughs> anyway, listen, yes, guys. I mean, let's, we, let's, we had down linemen. <laughs> we did. It, it was, it, it was, it was, if we had pads, we could have started a league. That, that's how, that's how uh, organized we were. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I also tore my patella tendon out there, by the way, which was not the greatest experience that I've ever had. That Sean, was the actually, second if season. If I'm not mistaken, and you actually took me to the hospital for that, Sean. I did. I <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> After I got a few more plays in. Yeah, that was the best part. Okay, I tore my patella tendon. I'm laying on the on the on the grass, <laughs> screaming in agony, and they decided to move me out of the way so they can continue to play the game. Dude, yes, it's the, the the love of the game, dude. I mean, and you've got a freaking incision from your ear to your ass crack after that surgery, too. <laughs> <laughs> you sure do. That thing is not small. 
that was not a minimally invasive operation back in the day. No, no, not at all. All right, guys, listen, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up here tonight. Uh, we had a great show tonight. Uh, obviously, uh, talking about everything that's going on in college football. Uh, first of all, it's our it's our first show of the new year, so hopefully we we made our listeners proud here with the guests we had, Donald Payne Jr., uh, former Stetson Hatter All American and uh, current Jacksonville Jaguar special teams phenom. Uh, and he's going to be a great player going forward. Also, Orson Charles, tight end uh, from the AFC uh, West Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who are playing. Both of these guys are playing uh, in, in the playoffs this year. And also, I want to just say that uh, just Florida guys, Daytona guys in general, uh, because we are from Daytona, we always talk about this, but Daytona guys in general uh, playing in the, in the NFL and playing in the playoffs this year, we've got obviously Donald Payne. Uh, junior from Stetson. We've got Ryan Davis from Bethune-Cookman who's playing for uh, the Buffalo Bills. Mike Gillisley, running back from DeLand High School, played at, at where? Anybody know where he played in college? University of Florida. Uh-huh. University of Florida, <laughs> playing for the New England Patriots. Uh, we've got Eric Weems, uh, wide receiver from Bethune-Cookman, also Seabreeze High School, playing for the Atlanta Falcons. We've got Ricardo Allen also playing um, – uh, for the uh, for the uh, Atlanta Falcons who are playing in the playoffs this year, uh, so we can be more proud of our guys, our local guys who are playing in the NFL, not just playing in the NFL but also playing in the playoffs. Um, and that's not all the guys from the area, but those are the guys that are playing in the in the uh, in the playoffs this year. So we couldn't be happier for them. Uh, Want to say thank you uh, to obviously to our special guests and our listeners. Uh, thank you to Sean, our co-producer, calling in. Uh, he had the greatest interview question uh, for Orson Charles. <laughs> one of the greatest, one of the greatest moments of silence in the history dude. of radio. Dude, dude, if Sammy and I have been sitting by each other when that happened, we've been looking at each other like, all right, what the hell do we do right now? Yeah, somebody, <laughs> somebody do something. Yeah, I, listen, I, I was texting Kevin, what just went on right there? I had no idea what just went on. There. <laughs> Uh, but listen, we're, we're gonna be on. Uh, we're gonna be on next Tuesday, uh, and also we're actually gonna have two shows next week. Uh, next Tuesday, and then the following Saturday, we're gonna be broadcasting live uh, from the Tropical Bowl here in Daytona Beach, Florida, where the top FBS uh, talent's gonna be coming in. I'll tell you the thing. And, uh, uh, what's what's going on with our co-producer? I don't know. He's whispering. Again, some people need to be in front of the camera, and some need, people need to be behind it. Uh, let's just go ahead and mute this guy first and foremost because he's annoying me right now. John, you okay there? You good? <laughs> he's muted. Okay. Uh, next, next, next Tuesday. Victory formation. But next Tuesday we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be live uh, again at eight o'clock, and then next Sean, Saturday we'll be live from, we're gonna be live from the Tropical Bowl uh, here in Daytona Beach, Florida. We're gonna be broadcasting from their practice actually on January thirteenth. Uh, from the New Smyrna Beach uh, Sports Complex, uh, where we're going to have some interviews with some of the college kids that are coming out uh, as seniors and underclassmen who are playing and declaring for the NFL draft. And also, we're going to have some fan giveaways during that show, too, so make sure you're listening. Uh, We're going to be giving away uh, gift cards to local eateries, gift shops, you name it, uh, in the area. So please listen in. We're going to have trivia questions for you guys to call in uh, and kind of get an opportunity to win those from us as well. Doc Victor Formation, if you could, let's let's go ahead and uh, I don't know what you're gonna play us on the way out. 
Yo, what do we got here? So we gotta get this loot up. What is There it is. Yeah. To all the dealers and the hundred dollar dealers. On behalf of the doc, I'm Sammy G. Our co-producer, Sean. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Three and Out, your everything source for college football in the state of Florida. Have a great night, and thanks for tuning in. Doc, Sean, you got anything to say? God bless. No, man. Victory Formation, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. Have a great new year, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye-bye. In your face, stab your brain with your nose bone. You all alone in these streets, cousin. Every man for himself in his land, we be gunning. And keep them shook crews running like they supposed to. They come around, but they never come close to. I can see it inside your face, sitting in the wrong place. Cowards like you just get their whole body laced up. 